I have in my hand the official brackets for yes. our continuing efforts at finding the best bad story idea. Yes. And the best food heist. And so today we are on seeds number five versus 12. Okay. Do you want to hear the bad story idea? I am so excited to hear them. All right. We have Luke Gorgeous and the Multiverse of Mediocrity. One of my favorites. I love Luke Gorgeous. This is the some individual named Luke Gorgeous going back in time and making all other media really bad. So So his work looks better in comparison. Better in comparison. Having a time, you know, if you gave Luke Gorgeous, who is in no way based off of any individual that we uh, might have discussed, realizing that people have fallen out of love with oeuvre, so to speak, having a time machine and using this as the way to make it happen. And then we have Jaws the Friendly Shark versus Squeakers the Demon Dolphin, (laughs) which is the story of what if Jaws, what if the shark were a good guy and people just misunderstood that poor shark. What if there were a shark that were intelligent and realized it wanted, you know, human affection and, you know, yeah. it just was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And that that evil dolphin just, yeah. Mm-hmm. So those are yeah. our bad story ideas for you to vote on. You know, I heard recently mm-hmm. that more people are killed by cows every year than are killed by sharks. Well, that's not surprising. Yeah. And yet I've only seen one horror movie about killer cows. <laughs> well, the thing is, once you factor proximity in, are they still? How many people are near <laughs> sharks versus near cows? That's the question that you always have to ask question. in these statistics. Well, and the other thing to point out is mm. that even in real life, dolphins, while they can be very friendly and helpful, they mm. can also be huge jerks. Yes, they can be and huge so jerks. And so I don't think they're out there murdering people on purpose, but all right. Oh, okay. Are you so excited? Yes. For our food heist bracket this time around, we have... I'd see number 12, do not steal the king's potatoes. Just kidding, please do. One of our historical food heists where they used reverse psychology to trick peasants into stealing potatoes in order to solve a famine and feed everybody, which I find delightful. Yes, and that one will make a great shirt. That one would make a good shirt. It would make a fantastic historical fiction movie or book. Mm -hmm. It's just fun. Please don't Uh, steal the king's potatoes. But mm-hmm. it is up against seed number five, which is the groundskeeper. The groundskeeper. This is the gentleman in England who stole a truck full of Cadbury cream eggs, several tens of thousands of them, if I remember correctly, and managed to make it quite a ways before he just stopped on the side of the highway and let the police catch him. We have decided... Yes. That clearly this man is a criminal mastermind who is doing this for his own unknowable purposes. Yep. yep. So, so, yeah. Groundskeeper that we dubbed. That's a, that's a the, pretty... The origins of the legend of the groundskeeper. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, that's a character who I think will live in infamy. Please click on the links and go vote. Do you think that there is perhaps mm. a historical connection between the groundskeeper and the old potato thing in France. Well, I mean, we have theorized before, I believe, that the groundskeeper is an immortal. Yeah. And has been involved in food heists all through history. Or is potentially part of a longstanding order. Oh, yes. Like, you know, the albino from... Or the foundation from, from foundation, yeah. yes. There's, there's a so, food heist foundation. At some point in the past, the royalty of Europe realized, wait, we just saved everybody's lives through the combination of gardening... And thievery, 
And so then the Order of the Groundskeepers was born, and they continue to conduct food heists in order to save the world over so and over. maybe the Cadbury cream eggs thievery was involved in this. Like, yeah. it was PR by Cadbury. They're like, we're not selling enough. Hire the groundskeepers. Get the groundskeeper to come in, steal a whole truck of our stuff. Maybe this was just to put out a news story that said, look, people want our eggs so much they're stealing them. Ah, but then the check bounced, and so he gave up. Yeah. Or maybe he realized, I don't want to be a corporate tool. Mm. And so he stopped. Mm. He had a crisis of conscience. He's like, I'm not going to play into your artificial scarcity to I'm increase the to prices of eggs. Saving people's lives. And this is what I've become. Yeah. Yes. He had a, had a crisis where now he's this like, I need to find dark a way. Night of the soul. To get people to steal vaccines <laughs> instead. <laughs> Technically food? Potatoes with <laughs> vaccine in them. Get people to vaccinate themselves. <laughs> That's where he's gone is to figure out how to get, I don't know. I don't, I, I that, don't know. You know. I love it. Okay. I love the idea that we could make two completely different movies mm-hmm. about someone who is putting vaccines into Cadbury cream eggs. And in one movie, he would be the hero. And in one movie, he would be the villain. I think if you're putting vaccines into Cadbury cream aids, you're just absolutely the villain. <laughs> I don't think we can make that a hero. Tragic truth there, I think. Oh, I don't well. know. So what are we going to talk about today? Well, you didn't next, bring any food heists. This I didn't. Time. I didn't bring any food heists. People keep sending me food-related crimes. Well, that's kind of where we are. And food-related disasters. Uh-huh. But I don't have any of them prepared for today. Okay. Some of them have been kind of fun. Let's get some food disasters for next time. Okay, food disasters. I would love to have. I will some bring. Food I will bring some because there were some. There were some good ones. But what I wanted to talk about is I am going to do something next week that I know you hate, which is I'm going to go camping. Oh yes, camping. and you've talked before about how camping for you is three stars instead of four. Yes, yes, camping for me is if the hotel room service ends at 10 p.m. Mm-hmm. I do not like camping. You do not like camping. You do um, enjoy nature. I do enjoy nature. I enjoy some aspects of nature, right? Like mm-hmm. I enjoy the sights of nature a lot. And we talked about last week, I went on a riding retreat. I wanted to go up in the mountains mm-hmm. where there's a stream and there's trees and it's very pleasant. And that has a soothing effect upon my soul. Yes. But being dirty does not have a soothing <laughs> effect. It has the opposite effect. Being sweaty and dirty. Mm-hmm. Bugs buzzing me are also an opposite effect and the most important one is i do not think i have slept when camping basically ever okay like going back to when i was a kid i don't think there's a time because i'm an insomniac already right i don't think there's a time where i've gone camping that i've actually just even slept and i mean you're usually awake all night anyway yeah and then during the day the tent is hot and bright yep so. so I just absolutely hate that aspect of it to the point that I have not done it in probably, I think I went camping once or twice with Emily, like our first year or two of marriage, because she comes from a very outdoorsy family. Mm-hmm. And since then, I haven't been camping a single time. Now, the family has gone camping, and I have gone and brought my laptop and sat up all night. 
and worked. <laughs> and then I've driven them home in the morning when they are groggy and miserable because everyone thinks they love camping mornings, but I'm not convinced that they really do. <laughs> yeah. The way to make camping mornings work is you have to have at least one morning person who loves making breakfast so that by the time everyone else wakes up, there's already like hash browns. And I will admit food tastes better that way. Mm -hmm. It just kind of does. There's something magical about it. When everything else is miserable, a nice meal is... Nice warm meal. Yeah. I will say that I started sleeping much better on camping trips when I got a cot. Because I have, I, I've been a long-time hardcore camper mm -hmm. forever. We used to go backpacking on you know, 50, 60-mile hikes and things like that. I've always been kind of camping minimalist, very hmm. proud of how little equipment I need to survive in the wilderness, until we went camping once and my wife wanted a cot. And so mm -hmm. we bought a cot for her. And she slept on it. She was like, that's so much better. And then the next time I had to take like a group of scouts camping, I took the cot because I wanted to see what all the fuss was about. And I couldn't find my little foam pad. And it's night and day. Mm. It's so much better. So I, I have always, slept on a cot before. Always will go cots now. I've actually done an air mattress before. Ooh. But still didn't sleep. <laughs> still miserable. Did in this yeah. little tent thing. And yeah, just... I don't enjoy it. The thing is, I am an Eagle Scout. Well, there you go. This is one of the things I can say. that mm -hmm. There are things in my life that people will normally say, well, you just haven't done it enough or the right way. I do not like fish. I ate fish very regularly yeah. for two years in Korea, mm -hmm. and I still do not like fish. Yeah. I think you've done your due diligence yes. on fish. And, and if you've got an Eagle, mm -hmm. you've done your diligence on camping. I have camped a lot. And I will say camping is better now than it used to be. Do you remember the tents? Oh, yeah. Did you have one of those tents when you were a kid? Like the, ones, the canvas ones? Yeah, the canvas ones that take Spring bar. two hours to put up. Yeah, we actually still use some of those with our church group. What's wrong with you? They are just really sturdy. They are durable tents. They're durable. I don't like know that they're sturdy. The ones with the, you know, the really lightweight ones that are mm -hmm. easy to set up. Yes. A group of teenage boys is going to demolish those so quickly. Whereas these old school canvas spring bars, they can take a licking. I have a distinct memory of one time we went camping with one of those and it was a scout troop mm -hmm. and our scout master. And it was cold. It was a wintertime camp, which you need to do periodically as a mm -hmm. scout. And it was so hard to get up. It's a bunch of 13 and 14 year olds. We barely got this thing up and then it fell down on us in the middle oh. of the night and oh. it started snowing and it ripped when it fell down. <laughs> and so we spent the night with this massive tent on top of us, just laying in there, mm -hmm. getting snowed on. When we woke up, there's like snow, like drifted through the rip into the <laughs> tent because it was the middle of the night. Yeah. We couldn't get it back up. No wonder you hate camping. That is just one of many such experiences. Mm -hmm. Boy, there's a thing that they do in the Boy Scouts called mm -hmm. the Klondike Derby. Okay. Where you you go out winter camping and there's a whole bunch of other scout troops there. And then you do like sled races and mm -hmm. stuff and you'd have all these things going on. 
worst camping experience of my entire life. This was just a few years ago. I was the scout master, mm -hmm. took a group out. It was sleeting for hours, nonstop. Mm -hmm. Not snow, not rain, but in between. It was horrific. And then, you know, the scout council or whatever it was provided chili for us. And it was just canned chili that they dumped into Dutch ovens, promptly burned, and then just kept using the same pots to feed several hundred scouts. And so it tasted just awful. Burned canned chili is one of the worst flavors ever. So in the morning, we packed up and we left without participating in any of the snow games. It was it was just a nightmare. See, I... <laughs> why do people do this? <laughs> like, there are hotels. They exist. They're nice. I mean, specifically as a leader of youth groups, mm -hmm. one of the things that I like about camping and one of the reasons I continue to kind of push it is I think privation is valuable. And obviously there are personality types that will just bounce off of it every time. Mm -hmm. But I would go out on a limb and say that even though you hated those experiences, you are arguably better for them. You've learned something. You've grown in some way. I've grown to understand that you can go out and have a really good time in nature and then go back to a hotel and take a shower. And you will enjoy that way better <laughs> and appreciate the nature way better. Because, you know, I don't mind getting a little hot and sweaty going on a hike or something like that. It's mm -hmm. when you have to sleep in it. Yeah. Right? Like, if I can go back at the end of the day, even if it's like, you know, we get back at like midnight and then mm -hmm. sleep in a bed and take a shower, like, it's just so much nicer. I mean, I'm not going to argue with you. Mm. It is great. I'm always the guy at the camping trip who just brings a bunch of books to read and board games to play on the picnic table. Okay. Because I am a man of particular tastes. So yeah, I don't love hiking the way that I used to. Mm. I don't love physical exertion the way that my doctor probably wishes that I did. Now, here's another kind of point in your favor of camping. Mm -hmm. Camping in Utah is just orders of magnitude nicer than camping in Nebraska. I do not doubt that for a second. And there's a chance that if I'd grown up in Utah, I would have had different experiences to the point that I would remember camping more fondly because mm -hmm. I do like the scouting activities. I remember scouting fondly. Yeah. Even though I was the nerdy kid with the books, I felt like I learned things. It was good for me to be around the other kids who had different interests. I feel like it was a good thing for me to do. I feel like my enjoyment of nature, like I think several of my books, you can point to camping trips as inspiration, seeing the sites in Southern Utah it had a deep influence over the creation of the Stormlight Archive, which I am signing, by the way. By the way, we're off to the yeah. Lake Kings. I've finished Words of Radiance. 70,000 of those signed for people to <laughs> buy if they should so desire next year, the Leatherbound. Mm -hmm. But these are all wonderful things. But the actual physical camping part, I have no fondness for any aspect of that at all. That is, that is understandable, but unfortunate. Hmm. I went camping a lot in college with Micah, who is Captain DeMo, mm -hmm. and Ryan, who's Dre from Bridge Four, and Annie, our mutual friend, who hasn't shown up in the books. Well, she kind of did. Serene is based on her, but she doesn't show up by name. We did a lot of camping, and those were all miserable, too. And we were like adults, and we were supposed to know. Like, I remember one time being at Zion, 
which is wonderful. Everyone should go to Zion National Park. Mm -hmm. And it rained on us, and we put up all the rain stuff, and it didn't work, Dan. <laughs> it didn't work. And we spent the night miserable, basically swimming in our tent. Mm -hmm. I've done that. We did that on a backpacking trip when Don and I, our first summer, we'd been married for just a couple of months. Mm -hmm. We wanted to go backpacking. We did like a 20 mile. We didn't do the full 50. And yeah, rained. We had like two inches of water in the tent. There was one part that was on enough of a hill that it was kind of sort of dry. It was just you know misery. I took my wife after a couple months of being married. Europe. Europe. Yes. Oh, well. So. You know, well, we did go to Germany for our first year anniversary. Okay, well, there you go. Went to Barcelona. We went into deep debt to go to Germany because we were very poor. We were actually not very poor. We weren't Dan and Don. We got married in our 20s poor, <laughs> but we didn't have the money for Europe. But I did get flown out by the publishers the first time that oh, I got one of nice. those. And it was in coach. It wasn't like, you know, but it was a free trip to Europe. And my Spanish publishers always treated us very well, and they got us out there to do some things and some signings and stuff like that. And That's I awesome. still remember that trip very fondly. Miguel, the publisher there, was Spain amazing. has such a great community of science fiction, fantasy fans. They do. Gamer nerds. Like, it's really cool. Yep. And they've always treated me real well. And I would say the strongest fandom community for the Cosmere outside of English speaking is is in Spain. There's mm -hmm. a pretty solid one in Poland also, but Spain is where they have websites and they're releasing all the secret projects simultaneously, which yeah. is a huge undertaking to get those done and yeah. released simultaneously. We, we because, just did like yeah. an online class with Spain. We did. Yep. That I think they did your videos and then a handful of so of live talks. I know I yeah. did a live class. They uh, took my lectures and turned them into a book. In That's Spanish, fun. so people could read those. And then they had me on and they gave us a chunk of money, which we donated to charity as kind of a, hey, this is a writing education thing that we're doing. It was, mm -hmm. it was very well put together. And Yeah. I remember they set this up months ago and said, hey, would you be interested in teaching a class? And, mm -hmm. I, and don't worry, they all speak English. And I mm -hmm. said, well, you know, I speak Spanish. I can do it in Spanish. And they thought, oh, that's cool. And then we got to the day of, which was just a couple of weeks ago, and you know she showed up and, and started walking me through the thing over the mm -hmm. Zoom connection, and I'm like, "Prefieren que hacemos esto en español?" And she's like, "What? You speak Spanish?" They had, I don't know, somehow that had gotten lost. So I was able to do the whole thing in Spanish, and it was really fun. You know, I often get asked, "Which superpower would I like to have?" Being able to speak other languages. Just any language. Yeah, so you can do presentations and things yeah. like that. Because the job that I have is, you know, multinational, shall we say. That's one of the signs of maturity. Mm. When you're a kid, you want to grow up and be Luke Skywalker. When you're an adult, you want to be C-3PO. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did you just come up with that? I did. Aren't, I, aren't I fun? That's pretty genius, right? <laughs> ah. Gold star to you. Hey, thank you very much. I have a question. Getting back to the camping. Yes, unfortunately. I have mentioned several times that I've been like a scoutmaster and a youth mm -hmm. group leader and things like that, and I'm still in that position mm -hmm. in my local church. Yep. And have you been put into the youth programs? Have you ever had yes. to be a young men's leader or a scoutmaster or anything like that? Twice. 
once like in scouts or just in both times really yeah so once was when i was like 19 like i went away to college and came back mm -hmm. for a year and then i was still just a kid yeah right 19 and i just you know did the whole thing and then the next one was brandon morris's self that he is now and they said well we we really want you involved and i said did you do you know about me and the outdoors? They're like, well, we have some kids that are like that, and they might appreciate having a leader who is like that. And I'm like, all right. And I didn't go on any of the campouts. So you were called to be the conscientious objector yes. they could commiserate with? I was really good in all the other aspects, but I did not go on not any of the campouts. Camp I went outs. to the first night, mm -hmm. and I hung out with them, and then I went home. Okay. Uh, and they knew that I was doing that, right? Like, yeah. it's not like I left a bunch of kids out there, right? <laughs> but <laughs> Unattended. You know, part of it was I have writing group on Friday night, so I'm like, you know, mm -hmm. I'll go out with you on Thursday night, but on Friday, I'm, I got to be home for my- got to be home for writing group. For writing group. I am ditching writing group next week because yeah. I'm camping. It's all right. Sorry. I could totally have ditched writing group. They all kind of understood. The real fun thing is, I don't know if this will make sense to anyone, but there's a thing called wood badge. Do you oh, know what wood yeah. badge is? Yeah. Wood badge is like the ultra hardcore, you're going to be like a super scoutmaster mm -hmm. training thing where you go and you like do team building with other scoutmasters and you like live off of the slime that you get out of uh, ponds <laughs> and you like, you know, you, 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 yeah. you, you drink all the Kool-Aid. And they came when I was in it and they had a little presentation like, we would like you all to go to Wood Badge. And they, they actually did the thing where they go like, will you go? Will you go? And everyone's like, yeah, yeah. And they got to me and I said, nope. <laughs> Just straight up, straight to the, the, nope. the leader. They're like, what can we do to re resolve this? I'm like, I'm not going to Wood Badge. Sorry. Um, nope. Yeah, I've never not done interested. Wood Badge. It is the the absolute extreme end of scouting. And extreme end of scouting yep. is weird. Yep. Nope. Nope. I think I actually said, if you want my advice, I know some really good Ritz-Carlton's. <laughs> That's what I told them. The one in Half Moon Bay, it's got fireplaces. They'll bring you popcorn. It's real, real nice. <laughs> the Ritz-Carlton in Half Moon Bay, California. Ah, recommendation from Brandon. I got that one from Harriet. It's like, Brandon, we need to go. We need to go do a book tour. We need to go to Half Moon Bay. They have the best Ritz-Carlton. I'm like, oh, really? She's like, yeah, yeah. And so we signed up. We did a tour that we stopped in Half Moon Bay just because Harriet wanted to go to the Ritz-Carlton in Half Moon Bay. Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yep. Yeah, so. All right. So I have one more question. Mm -hmm. So you have been a, a youth group leader. I have been. Right? I was technically a scout leader. I wasn't mm -hmm. this scout master, but I was like... A scout assistant, assistant thing. or something like yeah. that. Okay, so and I think I did a good job, other than the camping. And, and I don't doubt it. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that you did a wonderful job. My question is, you know, the old saying that no man is a prophet in his own city, right? Yes. Like none of the kids that I work with mm -hmm. could care less about my books. Yes. Did you have that same experience? No, I have not had that same okay. experience. You're I think capital B Brandon Sanderson. For a while I did, like my favorite story, this is not any camping related, but related to this is how long it took. Have I told you this? The BYU newspaper to interview me. Mm -mm. We talked about this, didn't we? I don't remember this. So I kept a list because I just was curious. When will the BYU newspaper, where I teach at BYU mm -hmm. and BYU alumni, how long will it take them to do a feature on me? And it became a running joke because I had a feature in the New York Times, mm -hmm. the LA Times, the Washington Post, CNN, USA Today, 
all before the BYU newspaper newspaper. thought to ask me for an interview. We had this whole list. It was delightful. That is amazing. So I did have some of that, Mm -hmm. but they specifically, so if you aren't familiar with the way that our church works, you'll get asked to perform certain services, right? Mm -hmm. Certain positions. They just need- Yeah. It's it's a lay clergy, so it's all volunteers from the congregation. Yeah. Even the heads of the congregation and things like that are asked, hey, can you take a turn doing this? Dan is doing it right now as in the bishopric, right? Mm -hmm. And so you'll just periodically call in and say, hey, will you do this? And I have a standing rule. I just- you know, I'll try it all, right? If they want me to do something, then I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. I may say to them, I'm not gonna do the camping part, but <laughs> but yeah. And so you end up getting these various different things that you try. And they specifically asked me because they had a couple of nerdy kids who really liked books mm-hmm. in that group. And they thought, you know, having a leader who understands, I think it was a wise decision on their part. And those students, I'm still in touch with a number of them, those kids, those kids who are yeah. now in their 20s and married and things like that. And they mm-hmm. they all enjoyed my books. And so having me be involved with something that, yeah, that's that great. they made a wise decision and brought me in for that part. But I only lasted about eight months till that group of kids moved on to the next group because it's like mm-hmm. two-year yeah. age groups and it was kind of the older group of kids. They all moved on. And then suddenly I was out of that. They had someone who liked camping and I've been teaching Sunday school ever since. Ever since. And I really like doing that. Well, I that's think. great. So That's funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all of uh, all the kids I work with like your books as well. So mm. yeah, I don't, I don't know if any of them have read any of mine at all. Well, you are you, your books are kind of scary, Dan. You are occasionally oh a bit of a scary dude. Uh, the Relief Society, which is the organization for adult women in the church, mm-hmm. they have a monthly book club, and they did partials as one of their okay. books. And That's they had me come speak one of the to ones that. to pick. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's not and as terrifying. I know they didn't do the horror. Several of them had read the horror books. Partials are still miserable at times. Partials is still, <laughs> still yeah. The, the opening first chapter even. is a dead baby, yeah. just to let you know what you're in for. Yep. And it was it was delightful. I went night the mm-hmm. end of the month when they had all read it and they asked me a bunch of questions, mm-hmm. and it ended up mostly being, "Hey, tell us about the publishing industry," because if you're not in it, then you don't know how it works. And it's fascinating. To and have, it's yeah. It, yeah, it's really mm-hmm. interesting to talk about. But one of them said, "So how come?" In your bio for one of these books, it says you're a card-carrying communist. <laughs> and I had to say, well, I'm not really. I just thought that was a funny joke to make. I'm a socialist, but I am not a card-carrying communist. I thought that was great that that was the one thing that they pulled out of the bios to ask me about. Well, I'm not surprised in the least bit that they would <laughs> they would ask you about that. So what about other like outdoorsy stuff? Do you go shooting um, guns and stuff? I don't know. When, when I lived in Orem here, mm-hmm. that was very much a let's go skeet shooting mm-hmm. ward. This ward that I'm in now has a lot, a lot of gun people in it. Mm-hmm. But we have only once in the nine years I've lived there had an official like let's go shooting activity, mm-hmm. which I find really interesting. A lot of them just do it on their own is what I configure. I know there's several of them that go down to front site. If you're familiar with that, it's like a gun training thing in Nevada. Okay. I do that once or twice a year. We have you been hunting? I have never been hunting. Neither have I. I don't think I would enjoy hunting. Yeah. Yeah. I used to like backpacking. I'm way too out of shape to do it anymore. I like 
looking at nature more than I like participating in nature mm. at this point in my life. So I'm very much the base camp guy. I will help you get the tent set up. I will help the food guy get all the food stuff ready. And then I will preside over the camp while other people, younger people, go out and take them hiking or take them bow shooting or frisbee golf or boating. Our ward loves going boating. I used to joke with Becky, who is one of our executive assistants. Mm -hmm. She's my sister-in-law. My brother-in-law, Pete, is an outdoorsy guy. I always joked with him, like, if they ever start making me actually go camping, congratulations, Pete, you're going to get a giant camper. Because I wouldn't know what to do with one. I don't know that I'd be able to drive one. But if someone were to have one that could appear at the campsite with the giant camper mm -hmm. on the weekends where I am forced to go camping, then that is a thing I would do. So okay. he was always somewhat excited, somewhat trepidatious, as he wasn't sure where he would put because- <laughs> They're big. Yeah, and I don't do things halfway, right? No. Right? Like, mm -hmm. if I am ever in that position, Dan, I might say, hey, Dan, do you want a $400,000 camper? Make <laughs> it appear in the places I need to be. <laughs> I looked up how much the most expensive ones. I don't think I would actually do that. But no. there's really nice campers. They're, they're really nice, there's yeah. Like, one of my neighbors um, would bring one whenever he was forced yeah. to go camping. And they have like, okay. $400,000 campers that are just yeah. like having a little mini Ritz-Carlton in the middle of the wilderness. <laughs> I don't know if they actually come with a butler or not, but yeah. I actually seriously considered like one of the cheaper but nicer ones when I got called, but mm -hmm. they didn't end up making me go camping. Yeah. And I went to the places they camp, the camper wouldn't actually have gotten there, which is part of the problem, right? Like no. you need like for those big ones, like a parking lot. You need the big spots. We, mm -hmm. We've managed to fit my neighbors into some pretty small spaces. Yeah. But but yes. Does he have one of those real like super like Brandon-esque ones that's like a little it mini hotel room? It was pretty nice. I don't know if it was 400000 mm -hmm. It did get stolen from him a few years ago. Wow. And then he bought another one. Huh. Okay. But yeah. And now I can't remember. I had another question for you. Mm. It's gone. Fishing. What's your fishing? What's your fishing I actually thing? love fishing. I Do suck you? at fishing, mm. but maybe it's because... I am very much into miniature wargaming, which I keep all the miniature wargaming stuff in tackle boxes because okay. they're so convenient. Okay. There's something about tackle boxes that speaks to me. And I love having all the little drawers full of all the little, you know, lures and weights and floaters and bait and stuff. I can see the appeal of that. In my yeah. head, all that stuff is gross because it's been on 30 fishing trips and pulled out of the mouths of fish. Yeah. And people pull it out and just throw it into the bottom of the tackle box. And then there's just like this gross mess down there. But well, you got to keep your stuff clean. Yes, but yeah. I am. So yeah, I, I enjoy that. I rarely will actually do it anymore mm. because, you know, at this point, I'm, we're talking about like one camping trip a year, mm -hmm. usually, because I am too busy for anything else. And this year, Utah has got like record breaking snowpack. Yep. And so all the rivers are flooded and there's really no good fishing anywhere right mm. now anyway. So I do enjoy water and being on boats. Mm -hmm. I don't enjoy fishing. I don't eat fish. And I don't like ripping hooks out of fish's mouths <laughs> because I'm not going to eat the fish. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think if you're not going to eat it, what I would do is I would go and just not have the hook on the line and feed the fish. 
<laughs> here's put some, bait on there. Put bait on it. Throw Stand it out. In the river when for it goes a while. like this, no, I have to be on the boat laying down oh, and enjoying. Okay. You know, okay. the the whole relaxed. You know, I throw mm -hmm. out the fishing line. And it goes like this. And I'm like, oh, the fish got a nice yeah, treat. Yeah, the fish got and some you food. reel it in. You put some more food on yet. See, and that's good because really what you're doing is you're conditioning the fish to look for food on fish hooks, mm. tricking them into a sense of security. So yeah, all right. the other fishermen in the future catch their fish. can be more successful. Because if they're eating their fish, then I got no problem with it, right? But I'm not going to eat those fish. Hey, so back to the camper idea. Mm -hmm. You went out to the Fortress of Solitude, little cabin yes. in the woods to, uh -huh. to do the writing retreat last week. Yes. Um, if you decided hypothetically, to pull the trigger on mm -hmm. purchasing yes. a Fortress of Solitude, yes. would you rather go stationary cabin or a camper you could take somewhere? Stationary in... cabin. St okay. Yep. I would want it well stocked with the things that I like. The issue is, I don't know how often you can have streams as awesome as the stream. Like, yeah. How are those streams in regular years? Because it was mm -hmm. incredible. I loved oh, yeah. it. They're um, all over their banks and whitewater yep. and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And I wonder, it's the fork of the Prover River that runs through Sundance. I wonder how that is most years, but- Not as big as it is this year. Mm -hmm. So you would rather find one ideal location than a variety of less perfect locations. Yes. And that's- Partially because if I want to use something regularly, I want it to be close and easy to get to, right? Mm -hmm. Now, travel-wise, like if I'm going large distances, my wife kind of wants a house in Hawaii because we go to Hawaii a lot. And I'm like, no, I'd rather just stay at a resort. I'd rather go to different resorts in different places because it's far enough away that Plus, real estate is expensive in Hawaii. Yeah. I think you're probably paying about the same either way. You are paying, but the one is an investment, quote yeah. unquote, right? Mm -hmm. And so I don't know that I would want to go do that and buy one and things like that, right? But if it's something where it's like, I want to go right today in my cabin, I don't want to go find a place, yeah. get in the camper. I want to just drive to my cabin, mm -hmm. be like, I'm staying here tonight and I'm riding in the cabin. Everybody leave me yeah. alone. That well, would be really nice. and that's one of the great parts of Utah, right? We yep. can drive half an hour from this house and be in the depths of the Rocky Mountains. Yes. And, you know, Robert Redford, bless him. <laughs> There's a place you can go that has Wi-Fi and <laughs> is maintained. And there is a really nice restaurant in just right down the way because- I've never eaten at the Sundance ha restaurant. Haven't eaten at the Tree Room. Tree Room is very tasty. We went there last week because okay. I was up there. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just Robert Redford made sure that there was a nice place to eat up there. Thumbs up to, to Mr. Redford for that. If you're not familiar, Sundance Resort is a ski resort that's near Park City, which is- Kind of sort of near Park City. Kinda, it's the sorta. other side of the mountain. It is. They're not really it's next to each other. It's a pretty long drive from one to the other. But because Sundance Film Festival is at Park City, people assume- that they are a little closer than they are. But one mm -hmm. is a ski resort with lodges and things. Another is like a little mountain town that's an actual city that also has ski resorts, but also the yeah. movie thing. So, mm -hmm. And that's all, uh, all Mr. Redford. In fact, I didn't know this. The bar at Sundance Resort was disassembled from Wyoming at a place where Butch Cassidy liked to go. Really? And taken and then reassembled at Sundance as the actual mm -hmm. place. Yeah. So. And if you aren't familiar, why are we talking about this? Robert Redford was in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, mm -hmm. and 
bought a bunch of land up in Utah and made a resort out of it called Sundance. And it's great. It is great. They do all sorts of actual fun things there. We we go to the haunted ski lift every year. My oh, kids really, really enjoy the haunted I ski lift. I didn't know they did that. Yes. And I know so, they do a story. They do, they do Storyteller Festival up there, don't they? They do Storyteller Festival, I thought, was at Point of the Mountain. At, oh, it probably is now. Yeah. But yes, haunted ski lift, it's what it sounds like. You get pulled up a ski lift. You have a thermos full of hot chocolate, and they have set up little... Things little, underneath like, ghosts you. and things. Yeah, there's like it'll oh, be like a fun. carnival, like, like a in, haunted house, yeah. but on a ski lift. But on a ski lift, so they can't actually get to you. They're all down below, so my kids don't freak out too much. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, they'll have like they'll do a skeleton made out of logs, and they'll do you know light shows and stuff like that. Yeah, it's a, it's a fun little time. Did I ever tell you I used to work in a haunted house? No. Yeah. That seems like one of the most Dan things I could have imagined. I I did two seasons in a Mm -hmm. haunted house in Salt Lake City. Okay. One year I was the bring out your dead guy, you know, dressed as a medieval peasant, ringing a bell, bring out your dead, like the whole Monty Python thing. Uh Uh-huh. And then I would let go of a rope and a corpse would fall from the ceiling and freak people out. The second year I was Ken. You'd go through this whole dark, horrible thing, and then you'd get to a brightly lit pink room with this gorgeous babe dressed up as Barbie, as Barbie, mm-hmm. saying, it's so much fun having Ken for dinner. And then I was you know, the sitting head. underneath the table with my head poking out on this nasty like brain thing exposed. That was my senior year of high school, and it was All great. Right. I loved it. I don't know how we got on that topic at the end. <laughs> How's that, Ben? 